Hello, everyone. This is the Connected Family Podcast, episode number 12. This podcast is produced by Connections Family Counseling, LLC, a group counseling practice located in Quincy, Illinois, that helps build resilient kids, strong marriages, and connected families. My name is Mark Vanderlei, and I'm your host. Today's episode is all about the difference between acceptance versus condoning behavior, values, beliefs, and goals. My guest today again is Michelle Robison, and we share with you another one of our conversations, which we're starting to entitle Adventures in Overthinking It. Here now is my conversation with Michelle Robison. Okay, so here we are on the Connected Family Podcast. I am pleased to welcome my sister and guest again, Michelle Robison from sunny Southern California. We're going to continue to have these conversations together. We're trying to think up a really clever name to call our conversations because we're siblings and we're uh, mental health therapists. And when we get together, whether that's at a family function or even through Skype, we can't help but talk about counseling and raising kids and all that sort of stuff. So help us come up with a clever name. We've thought about overthinking it. What do you think about that? (laughs) Well, that's definitely what we do. We overthink, we overanalyze, we wonder constantly. Um, Yeah. You know, all of a sudden everyone else leaves the room and we're by ourselves. I'm not sure why they always leave it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. People, people are not, uh, always so interested in what we have to talk about but uh, you know there are a lot of people who probably are interested in what we have to talk about so that's, that's why okay. we're doing this yeah, <laughs> and so today we're going to be talking about kind of this idea which we started talking about sort of pre-recording our last episode together about the idea of acceptance of our children radical acceptance of children or maybe even people in general and the difference between acceptance and condoning behavior. Um, so maybe we even accept them in the midst of behaviors that we are really uncomfortable with or beliefs or values that they're expressing that we're really uncomfortable with. And so we're going to talk about the importance of that and how that, what that might look like in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the thoughts that, you know, what are your initial thoughts? I have some in- initial thoughts. Do you have any things that come to your mind initially? Well- Yeah, when I've had these conversations in, like, groups of friends, like, just with my friend groups, Mm -hmm. I try to explore this idea of acceptance and condoning, and I get a lot of pushback on it from people, a lot, because I I really like to, to talk about that and say, you know, well... This is this. These are two different concepts that I think sometimes people mesh into one and get very stuck in and um, end up getting very separated from their kids on. And in having that conversation with with my friends, I mean, they really struggle with being able to operationalize that in their mind and how that would actually work. And it is it is something you really do have to wrestle with. I mean, and so it, and how to do it, um, is, is really challenging. Yeah. It sounds like I know in some of my conversations as well, parents, I think are sometimes really fearful that if I accept my child when they are doing this thing or talking in this way, then they will think, Oh, mom or dad thinks that's okay. And then I can go and continue to do that. Right. Um, and so I think we sometimes as parents respond out of those fears of, well, I don't want them to do that um, or think that way. And so I have to 
say, no, that's not right. right. But that causes problems a lot of times, I think. Right. Well, and I think that having some little, little, um, quips or things that you can say that, that kind of help you is, is, is really important. And, you know, I learned about acceptance and accepting behavior, you know, as a clinician early on in, in my career, which I'm so grateful for, because I was, you know, your typical person is like, you can't, you can't say the bad words, you know, you, you can't do that, you know, uh, that's wrong. And what I realized was that, sure, I can tell them to stop the behavior, but I'm also letting them know that that really bothers me. So guess what, if they want to bother me, guess what they're going to do? They're going to be pushing that button all the time. (laughs) And that's something that I talk to parents about. It's like, you know, the very thing that you don't want them to do by you responding in this really strong way, um, value-based way, of course, is going to let them know that this is a way to get to you and get a rise out of you. And so really looking at, you know, clinically, what are the issues that are going on here is important. But, you know, just from a practical perspective, too, as a mom, you know, of teenagers, I've had to learn that, um, you know, there are, there are some things that I just have to listen to and accept and um, explore. It gives me the opportunity to explore when I just listen with, as you say, this radical acceptance. I'm mm-hmm. just like, wow, that's interesting. Talk to me more about that. And guess what? They'll talk to me more about it as opposed to shutting down when I say, well, you can't do that. Right. Yeah. That's I mean, right. So those are really just the true and honest things that are happening on the inside of them. Those are the thoughts <laughs> they're having. Do we want them to hide those thoughts from us or do we want them to share those sometimes really scary thoughts with us. The thought, you know, a couple of things are coming to my mind as you're talking. I taught lifespan development a few semesters ago, and I was blown away. I read in the textbook that Adler says that the the areas in which children most often misbehave are the areas that are the greatest value for parents. So wherever parents hold the highest level of value, whether it's, you know, like, maybe a religious value or honesty or hard work, that's where the kid is going to act out. If hard work is your deal, well, they're probably going <laughs> to, a great way to rebel is to be lazy or to right. not do anything. Um, right. <clears throat> that's one thing that comes to mind. Another thing is, you know, with my, so we're talking about, we can, we're basically communicating sometimes to our kids What's okay to say to mom or dad? Mm-hmm. And if we say, don't cuss or don't, you know, you can't express emotion that way or you can't yell. No, there's reason. I think it goes within reason, right? But we're basically saying, oh, that's too much. I can't handle that. You, right. can't, you can't express those really scary things to me. We had an example just recently with one of our, not, well, it was a couple months ago. And I was doing something and, and my wife yells across the house to, from me to me. And she says, Mark, come here. I need you. And I go into one of our kids room and he says, dad, I think I'm suicidal. And he was honest. He said, I'm having these thoughts like life isn't just isn't worth living. So we were able to talk through it with them, you know, and empathy and say, and say that at some level, those thoughts are normal, that I've had those thoughts. And at the end, after we had talked through it and we had really discussed it, he said, I'm just so glad that you didn't. He, he used this word. He reads a lot, so it's a little unusual that he used this word, but he reads. He said, I was, I'm just so glad that you weren't disgusted with me. Oh. And I thought, oh, he experienced it as being accepted. Mm-hmm. That really scary, horrible thing. 
he was accepted. Um, and that's what we want. No matter what it is, I think okay. we want them to feel it's okay, even if it's really ugly or scary or sad. And that's usually what it is. It's usually the ugliest, the scariest, the most disgusting part thoughts of them. And I'm usually better at being able to handle those kinds of moments, like respond in in those moments to those kinds of things, because I think they are so big. Mm-hmm. Like the su- like a suicidal comment or, um, you know, mom, I, you know, am wanting to, you know, date this person. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Or but but it's the harder part when you mention the lazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the smaller day yeah. acceptance that I think is more challenging for me. It's I'm good at the big, but it's that, that day to day stuff where it's just like my greatest fear, like you said, is, is he ever going to move out of the house? (laughs) (laughs) Not talking about anyone specific. Not anyone specifically, but you know, I have a very strong work ethic and, um, (laughs) I, I, you know, and, and so I do think it's, it's sometimes and for me personally, you know, that's, that's one of my areas that, that I have a harder time with that acceptance on, cause it does touch on a big fear of mine. And so, um, I think, you know, as you're talking about these bigger issues for parents, you know, we have some parents who, you know, don't want their kids to, you know, cuss at all in their presence. And the more we tell them not to, the more they're going to. Um, but then like your example of, of being there in that moment, you know, you're, you're, you're bearing witness to a really scary experience, something that they can't really articulate and how wonderful that they're willing to come and speak about it with you. Most kids aren't going to speak about that. So it, it shows that you've been willing to take on those hard things in the past. So they're willing to open up about it. But don't you think that parents sometimes don't want to go there because they don't have some, they don't have an understanding of how to deal with that themselves? Yeah. I mean, I think so they want to kind of squash it. Yeah. I think sometimes the squashing comes from, oh my gosh, what do I do? Right. Um, how do I handle this? I, if I say the wrong thing, something will go wrong, particularly in that situation. Right. right? That's a right. pretty That's um, a big one. Big one. Um, <coughs> but I think just being open, you know, listening, like you said, wondering, exploring, because I think as I wondered and explored it, it really came to a place where, well, he really was. He wasn't thinking of he really wasn't at risk, right? He wasn't going to hurt himself, but he had these thoughts that were scary for him. Right. Like, I don't think life is worth living. And in some ways, like, well, I think we all have those thoughts at some point, like, gosh, what's this all about? So exploring and seeking to understand and um, helping them to talk more and really an openness about that. it, It gives them the message. It's okay to talk about these things. And the more we do it as parents, the better we get at it, even though on the inside we're freaking out right. uh, and having a hard time with it. So two thoughts. One, we're teaching coping skills. We're teaching that, you know, we can go to people that we trust to talk about things and, and they will um, be able to handle that. I think the other thing that you just mentioned with the parents freaking out is that if a parent has difficulty regulating themselves, 
around these issues, then they are not going to be able to regulate their child. And so then that leads us to many times conversations with parents about um, needing to get into your own therapy, you know, needing to get your own work done so that you can be that regulated person who co-regulates your, you know, with your child or, or co-regulates your child. And I think that's probably a big thing, you know, why, why it's easier to just shut it down because that's how you regulate yourself. You know, no, you know, I'm not even going to think about that. That's my coping that we don't talk about that. We just don't have a, a means to discuss it as opposed to some people like us who, you know, are very comfortable with talking about our feelings and are very comfortable. So how do you get people from that one coping skill of shutting it completely down to the other side where it's like you have the skill set to be able to comfortably walk through a really scary part with your child. I mean, that's a big, that's a big, uh, skill, you know, that you have that we've learned because of our profession. Right. So how do we help parents get to walk through that? You know, that's the challenge. So we would say therapy, we would say having somebody model that for you, somebody be able to listen to you, give you some um, opportunity to be freaked out just like our child and to walk alongside you in that moment. So, you know, what that is. Cause I think there probably are a lot of people out there that did not have that model to them as children. Yeah. I'm even thinking, you know, for some people that might look like we talk about the need for community and the need for yeah. support from the people around us. So I think ideally that would be one spouse. Like you would be able to have that conversation with your child and then go to your spouse later in the evening and be like, Oh my goodness, I can't believe this conversation we had. And together you can talk about how to walk through that some people may not have that. So then hopefully maybe they have friends or they have a pastor or they have a trusted, trusted someone who they can go to um, and help them to navigate those situations who we talk about a lot then are the become their secure base basically. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so lots of thoughts came up when you just talked about community. So community is a, I think is the next best, you know, step. So spouse, community, and, and, you know, as we are in a, a, a time where community is so sparse, mm-hmm. you know, we no longer, our nuclear family has changed. You know, we no longer have grandparents around us. We no longer have aunts and uncles around us. I mean, some people do, but you and I didn't, we didn't have grandparents around us. We didn't have uncles and aunts. We didn't have cousins. We barely had, you know, friends, you know, uh, we barely had community. All we had was ourselves and our church. Mm-hmm. You know, we had, we had that around us. We had our school around us. So there were, you know, in a sense that, but I find, I think that in today's society, it's lessening and lessening and we're having to be more intentional about that. Yeah. And so I know like even our church group, um, you know, we, our church focuses on getting into community. So if you have a church, find ways to get into community that way. If you don't have a church, there are other ways, you know, whether it's through kids schools or, you know, um, family supports, things like that. But I think that is huge so that you can reach out to have someone walk alongside you in that moment, you know, because as parents, there is no way you're going to know what to do exactly in the moment every single time. The best thing to do, listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then say, let me get back to you on that. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. 
Yeah. Wow, that's really hard. Thank you for letting me know. What can I do for you? How can you and just sit there and not fix it, you know? Yeah. And even actually probably listening and then let me get back to you on that might even be a great another great thing that you're modeling for the child where you don't yeah. have to have the decision right away. Right. Um, it can be something that we think about and reflect on, uh, which is important for kids to learn, you know. And don't you think that kids, our kids are being exposed to things that we weren't exposed to until we were much older? You know, yeah. and social media and TV and, you know, just, I mean, the fact that he could use the word, I feel suicidal is sad. You know, I mean, it's good that he could articulate that, but the fact that he knows that just speaks to the fact that that is what's happening around us. And so they see that <clears throat> on TV and social media on, you know, everywhere, they're just inundated with it. And so I think we have to be talking about these things with our community, you know, yeah. with our, with the people like you and I, you know, with people we trust, how would you handle that? If you, if your child did that, you know, how would you, how would you be able to accept that? And that's where that conversation actually with my friend group came up as we were talking about one of those big topics. And we said, mm. well, how would you handle that? And my response was, well, you know, this is what I would do and I wouldn't be happy about it. She knows what my response, what my value is on that. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to cut her off because I value relationship with her. Yeah. So I have to realize that my value may not always be her value. But you know what I found when I've given her a chance to figure out her value, she comes back around later to my value. I'm like, fabulous. Yeah. Uh, that took a lot of trust. I do have to say, I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm going to trust the process. The good clinician in me wanted to just trust the process, hold it together. You know, all of those yeah. internal things that we do right. to ground ourselves. And, and a year or two later, guess what? She's back. She's back where I would have wanted her anyway. Yeah. So it's funny that you bring up that story because I don't know how many times I've said that to parents, <laughs> trusting that that it's the truth and not having experienced it myself because my kids aren't really to that stage yet. Yeah. But that idea that, you know, when they go against our values, they're trying on different things. They're experimenting with different belief systems and different ways of working <laughs> in the world. And we can accept that while not condoning it, just because we accept their beliefs, their new ways of being, doesn't mean we're condoning it. And the reality is, is let's say that's as a teenager or something, you know, they're trying on that new thing. They've spent 15 years of their lives in your home, uh, you know, assuming that they grew up in your home. They know what your values are. Right. And those values, they've caught those values in many ways without even trying it. And so, again, so I've said, well, they're going to come around, you know, whether it's five years from now, 10 years from now, and having a relationship with them so that when they come back around to the values that you yes. hope for them, uh, then that relationship remains. That's the important piece. That's the important part, because then I can, if, if the relationship doesn't get severed and I can continue to speak into their life. They, they don't need me harping on the value, like you said. That's already They already know the answer to that. They just need to know that I still love them despite that choice. And 
to be able to see that, you know, we will continue to, to work on this. And yeah, I mean it, and, and one might say, well, you have a pretty compliant child and I do, I do have a pretty compliant child, not, but I mean, it's been definitely a exploration of own values and, mm-hmm. and ideas. Um, and I think actually when she brought some of this stuff to me, she was kind of surprised at my response. I think she was surprised that I listened and didn't get all preachy and harpy. And <laughs> it was kind of like, I felt really like, she's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, but you know, you, you, you have to live with that. You know, you have, if that's what you're going to do, you have to, you're going to live with that. That's something that you're going to have to deal with. You're walking into that with your eyes wide open. Right. Uh. Which I, you know, that's an interesting thing. If you had gotten all preachy and harpy, then she doesn't necessarily feel the tension of living with that decision. Right. Because when you get all preachy and harpy, then she goes, oh, my mom, she's so crazy. She gets all upset when I, all I want to do is do what I want to do and follow my, follow my heart, you know? Yeah. But because you were like, okay, well. You have to, you know, that left the tension for her to hold yes. rather than being angry at you. And then that tension is probably what brought her back to right. the values that you hoped for her. Right. Right. <laughs> wow. It, it did take, it did take a lot. I do got to say it did take a lot. And, and you got to know that after the fact, I certainly processed it with somebody. <laughs> so then you went to your community and were able to yes. regulate some of the anxiety that you were feeling. Yes. And, dump that on somebody who was willing to accept part of it, right? Yes, yes that's exactly right. And help me walk through that. And, um, yeah, you know, it, 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 it's something that requires relationship, you know, for me to have that level of relationship with her, I have to have a relationship with someone else that I can do that with. And so that's that reciprocity or that, parallel processes we like to call it (laughs) (laughs) it always comes around to that at some point it always comes around in parallel processes (laughs) (laughs) oh shoot yeah it's it's um it's not a it's not a simple idea it's not a it's not a simple you it's it's not as simple as well you just tell them that that's not what you do it's not that simple if it were that simple, everyone would be doing it and would be fine and children wouldn't be oppositional and, and we wouldn't have parents frustrated because kids are, you know, cussing and carrying on and dating people we don't want them to and, you know, all of those kinds of things. Doing things we don't want them to, not getting jobs. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think it's just a, it's not a, it's not, it never is a black or white issue in the sense of it's one way or another. It's, it's, it's always complex. And so I think it's a good conversation to have with your spouse or with your significant other or friend group or, you know, how would we handle this if this happened? I mean, I even think my parents, our parents, you know, have that conversation about us, you know, in, in relationship to, you know, when this situation happens, how are we going to handle it? And actually they handled it beautifully when it, when a very similar situation came up. Mm. And I think that was modeled to me as a, Mm. as a child, as an adult child. And that allowed me also to respond positively. So it all comes back to 
having that experience of that and um, walk, having someone walk alongside you in that. Yeah, that idea of community. And yeah, it's hard to do it alone. It's hard to do it alone because your anxiety and your fears will get the best of you. Yeah, yeah, those fears, I think, are really... Uh, I often, again, talk about sometimes we parent or we respond in relationship with our kids out of our fears. As you were talking about it, um, I was thinking about, for me, the fear often is, my kid, I have three boys, so my kids tend to wrestle in fights and somebody always ends up crying. And uh, I didn't have sibling, uh, male siblings, and so I didn't wrestle so much. And so I think they're fighting when they're really just... Uh, Playing, rough, rough housing, and when I hear rough housing and fighting and someone crying, I go, "Oh no, they're not going to be friends mm. when they're an adult." And so the fear of conflict and the fear of what that looks like comes out, and so then I respond in ways that aren't always that helpful. And so I have to then do, you know, re- regulate myself, talk with other people about it. What do your boys do? I had somebody say to me who has four boys the other day, they talked about fighting all the time. And I said, Oh, your boys fight too. Woo. Thank goodness. <laughs> I'm just so relieved. Mine aren't the only ones. So, I mean, I think all of us go ahead. Well, I was going to ask, we really didn't fight with you. There wasn't yeah. really any fighting. The fighting did happen between more with the girls, but with my, the sister and I, but yeah, you, you, we didn't fight with you. I mean, no, we I, probably teased you, things like that. So that's interesting. You know, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. I think I was, I, I suppose my strategy was uh, just to sort of slink into the background and be quiet <laughs> enough, and then the fighting doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> I think that might be what happened. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. That's I mean, a whole nother podcast episode. That's a whole nother podcast. Well, that's where we go, the overthinking and overanalyzing. But, you know, it all comes back to your, your own experiences, which I think is what the point is, is that sometimes you do have to look inwardly to be able to respond positively outwardly. And it's not just a simple knowing the right words. It's not just a simple knowing the right, you know, tip. It's really understanding self and how you, and how you go through the world. I I really think that's, that's true. And so the more we look inward and have the ability to regulate our own responses and fears and values and accept ourselves. Yes, we would be more able to yes. accept our children and yes. all their inconsistencies and difficulties and challenges. Well, and certainly the things that we have the hardest time accepting about our children are the things that we have the hardest time accepting about ourselves. Mm. You know, I mm. think when we see them behaving in a way that we don't want behaved in. <laughs> <laughs> That that we that we're that we struggle with, you know, it yeah. it certainly touches on, um, again, our fears of oh gosh, they're going to end up like me, or oh gosh, I don't want them to go down that road. Thank you for listening to the Connected Family Podcast. We're dedicated to helping you build resilient kids, strong marriages, and connected families. Did you notice that that was a bit of an abrupt ending to our conversation? Well, sometimes we have technical difficulties and the end of our conversation got cut off. I'm sure the best of what we had to say uh, came after that, but hopefully there were a few morsels in the conversation that were helpful for you as well. Either way, thanks for listening. If you'd like to continue the conversation about acceptance 
versus condoning behavior, please join our Facebook group at facebook.com backslash groups, The Connected Family Podcast. This group consists of additional resources and discussion regarding episode topics and support for building a connected family. You can also follow us on Instagram at Connections Family Counseling or our website at ConnectionsQuincy.com. 